You all must have heard that famous uh, saying, watch out for your thoughts because your thoughts become your actions and when you repeat those actions, those become your habits and those habits eventually become your character and your character is ultimately the reason of what becomes your destiny. I kind of um, put this in hushed tones because I want us to contemplate on each of these words. It's okay to depend on our past, but the only uh, thing that we need to focus here while we're doing that is when you're driving your car, it is important to look at your rear view mirror because you're going to have to see the number of cars, who's in your blind spot, and ever so carefully make your decision as you're driving forward. But if we keep looking at the rear view mirror, what happens? We might have a calamity or an accident about to happen because where we are going is forward. Past is important to know what we should be doing. And how we should do that in this particular moment is where we need our intelligence to be prepared because where we are headed is towards the future. Now, let us think about our thinking. Much of what we think seems to be in the past, which is good because today what we are is because of certain things that we did yesterday. And what we're doing today is where we're going to go in the future. We all understand that, so that's pretty much past, present, and future. If you notice, our mind is constantly in one of these phases. And for many of us, for some reason, it keeps getting stuck in the past. If you ask them, can you solve this particular problem? If in the past they've had a bad experience, they'll be like, oh, no, that won't work. And then we'd have to stop. It's okay to do the blame game because it feels very good because you're being able to put a label to your problem. Why am I having this problem? Oh, I know why, because I've labeled this. And you pull out that box that you've labeled, which is a person or a situation uh, or a certain condition, and then say, this is it. And over a period of time, we feel that we're very organized when we put things, uh, you know, under these labels, because it's that easy to pick it out. Anytime someone says, why is this happening? Oh yeah, I know, open that because it's already labeled and say that is the reason I'm having. What is wrong with this is that it's never going to help us to be creative about any solutions because we have already, uh, you know, discerned that this is the cause and these are the causes. So we're never going to use our imagination. The other thing that we tend to do is we like to play victim to a situation to a situation to begin with, and then to many situations. So that is why we tend to always depict that we are victimized. Oh, I have this problem because this happened to me. Things don't happen to you, they happen for you. When you look at that little small change of word from two to four, see the amount of difference it makes. You feel like everything is working for you. Now, what is wrong with saying that this thing happened to me? The, the playing of victim, which we've all done, 
trust me, I, I know this from experience too, is that we try to think that someone is the perpetrator, a situation is the perpetrator for why we've become a victim or why we're feeling victimized. Typically, when you as youth start um, a job, you'll notice that every organization has something called a workflow. And not a workflow, but many workflows. And all of these workflows happen because of certain process or certain processes that they have. And how do these processes work is because of a certain system. And how does this uh, system work is because of a certain policy. So therefore, we understand all of it, how it goes into the policy. And ultimately, the policy is coming from that place of purpose. Why was this organization even made? It's because of a certain purpose. Now, let's try to understand this and how the mental makeup works in each of these places. When we continue to do the same uh, work over and over and over, we're using a certain process. And when we use that process and we get comfortable with that, we don't want to have to change it. And then so on is the system. The system is coming from a certain policy and we think that that's the way it's going to work. I'm going to tell you a little um, anecdotal story and just think of what's happening here. And you guys can participate in um, contributing towards this particular conversation that we're going to have. So there was this uh, two uh, so soldiers in one of those uh, army camps, and they both were supposed to put red paint around uh, the perimeter of that army camp. Now, it was supposed to be a single uh, red line that goes all around the perimeter. They were carrying a big box of uh, paint, and uh, both of them, since it was heavy, they both were carrying, and they went across the camp area, and uh, they thought that's how they're going to mark the line. Evidently, in the middle of the camp area, what happened was they, there was a little uh, slippage and the entire box fell down and um, rather the can of paint fell everywhere and there was this big blotch of paint and now they were like, hurry, I don't know what to do. Uh, we can't have it this way. And they didn't want it to look ugly because they were going to be supervised so and it looked like this uh, amoeba kind of shape there and looked odd. So what they did was they're like, hey, let's do something. And they made a square out of it. They, they uh, kind of painted a square and then they painted in so it looked like a red square and nothing happened. The following day people came, it dried up and everything was okay. I'm going to continue as to what happened. We're never going to think of new solutions because we are stuck with a certain uh, past or a certain process that we think is the cause for it. Now, no one ever noticed the red square. Years went on. These soldiers uh, got the different ranks in the army, and finally they became a, a sergeant and then the lieutenant commander and all of that. Years later, they both came, and because they were invited as special guests to this particular army camp, and they saw everyone assembled and everything. And they left this little one spot that had that red square and it continued to exist. They both were amazed. They're like, oh my gosh, they still, they still have this? Over the years, shouldn't this pain have worn out? So they asked like, how come, has this always been there? Oh yeah, this has always been there in our camp. We just painted, painted it over every time it, uh, it kind of gets a little worn out. We paint the red square. So see what's happening. We are tending to not figure out what is happening. We just continue a certain process. It's just because we think that's what makes things work. 
basically what is happening is they are never analyzing what happened. But only these two uh, soldiers who are now lieutenants know why that little red square happened. So these are some things that we do where we never examine our system. We never examine our process. So therefore, can you imagine how the workflow is going to be? So, th so these are certain things that we'd have to use our imagination, right? So oftentimes when we label things, we don't anymore try to think of anything new because we think we've labeled it and put it in that box and that's where it ought to be. Just like how everybody in the army thought that that's how the square has to be. And similarly are certain practices that happens in the process of our thinking as well as in the processes that we use in our workplace. Now let's uh, talk about that in the next audio. Now we also tend to have this feeling that we shouldn't have problems. Now if you go back into our past, we all know that we've all faced problems. There are many of us who are in denial of our problems because we put the blame game and we saw he, she, them, they, they were the reason for all of this. And then we continue with that and uh, we think that problems shouldn't exist. Up to a point, like there are some people who think the problem should never exist. So here's another anecdotal episode that happened. In Japan, there was this big manufacturing plant that had several uh, departments to it. In the sense, the manufacturing unit had several areas, and each of the areas had their own supervisor. On this particular day, an important delegate was supposed to come um, into the manufacturing uh, house to see how everything is working. And there they were, all the supervisors were asked to assemble and the, uh, their boss had told them, look, when the delegates going to come, we want to look uh, very immaculate in the way we are operating. And so uh, he or she may come and speak to you. So just be prepared to answer questions. And um, they may ask, how, how is your particular division working? Are there any problems? And you need to answer all of that. So what we do is we have this process where everybody from uh, then on thought the only way of uh, meditating was you have to tie the cat. After a point in time, they totally forgot the whole meditation aspect of it. You ever walked into the hermitage, you'd see uh, people be going about doing their work and then they'd, they'd be this cat on a leash. So there, uh, a person who came in newly into the hermitage, they said, uh, what is the cat doing in your hermitage? Is, that, is there a reason? Because it's in the main area. And so they're like, oh, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's part of our meditation. So the moment we, it's just understood that we're all in meditation because we've tied the cat. Really, were they all, were they all in meditation just because the cat was tied to the corner? Now, this should make you all laugh, but this is how certain processes are done. Now, why is it done this way is that the thinking has been limited because they have adopted a certain process and they continue to go on with it. They're never using their imagination. No one's asking why, and it continues. So there was this Zen monk who used to um, meditate, and they he found this cat very annoying because it kept meowing during the time of the meditation. So he called one of his disciples and said, could one of you just put a gentle leash around it and tie it to one corner of the hermitage so that I can continue with this meditation? And all of the disciples saw that, and they're like, okay, let's do that. And they got a nice, wonderful leash, tied the cat, and uh, put it in one corner of the 
hermitage. And the, the monk continued his meditation. Everything went on fine. Now, this is how all the disciples learned how to meditate, is that they always thought that, um, you know, when you're going to meditate, the first thing that you do is you do the, the that's how he told us when he started. Uh, he couldn't do it. So therefore, he asked the cat to be tied. And so everybody, they'd sit down. And the moment they couldn't meditate, they're like, oops, we forgot the cat. So they'd go get the cat tied up to the leash, uh, to the little leash and put it in a corner of the hermitage. And for somehow, for some odd reason, the disciple had followed all the other things that the teacher had said. So his meditation worked out fine. And now he became the main uh, monk. And then he started, uh, you know, explaining that gospel. You get where this is going. The only way we can deal with problems is that, especially those that have happened that you know of, is that you'd have to accept them. Now you'd be like, how do you accept? Certain problems are hard to accept. But the only way you can work and move on to find your solution, because your solution comes from also using your intelligence, which is again dependent on your imagination, right? That's the value that you can bring towards solving a problem. That can only happen from that place of acceptance. So what is this? What can we do about this acceptance state? Can we at all times be accepting? So that's what we're going to discuss. Now, the delegate comes to the first person and he says, uh, so how's your particular unit working? Are there any problems? Uh, do you have any problem areas? And he was like, yeah, sir, I have about, mm, about in all seven problems that we've had over the years, but we've been addressing all of them. Now, the next supervisor who kind of overheard that thought, ooh, I don't want to have to sound like I have seven problems. I need to sound slightly better because remember, we were supposed to present good conditions. So he, when the delegate came to him, he said, yeah, sir, I have about five problems and we've handled it. The next guy's like, ooh, I got to sound better than that. Now that I know what it sounds like to tell problems, I'm going to say I've got three. Okay, then so on and so forth. The next guy's like, yeah, I have about two problems. The, the, the next person said, you know what, I'm going to be really good. I've learned from all of these people, lessons learned. So I'm going to go, uh, when, when the supervisor came to him and said, how many problems do you have? And I mean, sorry, the delegate comes and says, how many problems do you have? He said, I've got no problems. We are a great functional unit. The delegate said, um, he called one of the senior leaders and he said, uh, I want him out because I cannot imagine a unit operating with no problems. Maybe there's a problem with the supervisor. Maybe he needs to be trained. So could you retrain him? So in other words, we can't be free of problems. We can't be rid of problems. They're going to be there. So what do we do about them? Focusing on the positives helps us extend gratitude. And the mind needs to be in this particular state because think about the last time you said thank you to someone. When you said thank you, you don't say it with an expectation. Fine if they say you're welcome, but typically when you say thank you, you say it because you're already thankful of a certain favor that they've already done, right? Or the favors that they've done, a certain help that they've extended. So therefore, whenever you say thank you, you have no expectations. Right? Think about that state and contemplate on that particular state. We can't necessarily accept certain things we feel, but that's not the case. We may not agree to accept. In other words, you can have disagreements. You may not agree, but you have to accept it. The reason you have to accept it is only then your mind will prepare the intelligence towards adding value. 
But if you are constantly in the non-acceptance mode, you can't move on from that state. Your mind is stuck about the fact that you cannot accept. So therefore, it doesn't prepare the intelligence. When a surgeon has to conduct a procedure, the first thing that they have to do is sanitize themselves, right? You've seen them, how they wash themselves and have all the equipment sanitized, and that's when they're going to do a procedure. When you're going to solve a problem or a few problems, you first have to accept that's like sanitizing or cleaning yourselves. It doesn't matter about your agreements or disagreements. Immediately what happens is your mind is able to think of the next stage. It says, okay, I've accepted what next. And what next is nothing but adding value or in other words, solving the problem. So this is pretty much about what we can do about the problems that are coming from the past. Typically, what you want to uh, always focus is on the positives that have happened. And there is a reason for this, and we'll talk about it. So there was this um, example that was stated about this giving and receiving. There was a chief of a village who was extremely miserly. He would never give anything to anyone. The only thing he knew at all times was taking. So he obviously took uh, any kind of services that people gave him. And then he's always like taking interest on any of the loans he extended. Obviously, he's taking all the tax money. He's taking anything and everything that came to him as presents and gifts. And this is how he continued. He wouldn't give it to anyone, not even to his family members. So this is this was his state. Now, there was this huge flood in that particular village and there was water everywhere and everybody were underwater and there, there was a rescue team that was trying to save everyone. And they kept, uh, you know, saving everyone. And then finally they saw this uh, chief of the village who was struggling in the water and he's like barely able to make it. He, we don't know if he knows to swim, what the deal was. So um, the rescue squad come close to him and they're like, sir, sir, we can help you. And he was under the water. They come in a boat and they're like, sir, please give your hand so that we can pull you up and put you in this boat and save you. Now we'll listen to what happens next. When you go in that gratitude mode, what happens is you do not complain because you are already thankful. And when you do not complain, then your mind is not stuck in that place. You are always feeling like things have worked out for you and that there's plenty that's working in your favor. And then you want to add more value to that situation because whenever you want to say thank you to that person and let's say they were busy, you're waiting for an opportunity. Wait, let me see when they're not that busy so that I can go and extend thank you. You call them over for dinner. You don't expect them to bring anything for you. You want them to come for dinner because you want to provide something. So therefore, look at uh, the the place where you are you want to give and this is the state of the mind that we want is that we want to give and why is it that giving is more important than receiving when you're giving yeah obviously you feel like you're in an upper hand situation because when you give you are on top you're giving it someone's putting your hand, hand below and receiving it yeah that's just the physical deno denotation of what giving is but there's more than that Giving is a state that revitalizes you. We often think that when we give a gift to someone, they're the ones that are going to benefit. But actually, there's a certain energy within your body that is completely rejuvenated when you give. 
that what happens is it it makes you feel so much better it may it makes you feel happy and that is the state that our mind is constantly craving we want to be in that happy state and uh, there are so many other scientific reasons we're not going to go into all of that detail but that's the importance of giving he was like did you say give i have never i mean i don't give anything to anyone don't you know that about me I mean, I, no, I'm not giving. And then he's struggling in the water, not realizing that his own problems are because of this. Currently, at least, he, he might even die if he doesn't come out of the water. So the squad's like, what do we do? Yeah, this man's got this reputation of, you know, that he never wants to give anything to anyone. Give is a bad word, according to him, because take is all he knows. But then his life is in danger. We got to have to do something. And he's stuck about that word, give. And I, we don't know how else to speak to him. So then someone in the squad suggested, hey, why don't you tell him, take your hand? So he just whispers into the ear and the one of the persons from the rescue squad there said, Sir, that's okay. Can you please take my hand? And he had this gloved hand and everything. And the chief was like, oh, did you say take? Okay, that's something that I'm used to. And then he takes his hand and then they pull him up and they get him up on the boats. And this is how they rescue him. So this is how much some people are averse when they, when, uh, they hear the word give. What, why do I have to keep giving? I need, I want to take. I want to take from every, everything, from every situation. All I want to do is take. That's all fine. But by giving, there's much more to benefit. So I'm going to st uh, share this uh, another, uh, you know, amazing thinking that people have used. There was a young man who got a job in an organization and um I must tell you that it was not an event that just happened, like he applied, he got a job. He was in a lot of difficulty and he'd applied in so many places and he kept getting no for an answer and he was in extreme financial difficulty and he just hoped that somewhere someone would just give him a job. He doesn't care about the rank or the title or any of it, he just needed uh, food on the table and he needed his uh, family to be in a comfortable place. Now, finally, he gets this job, a very entry-level job in, a, in an organization, which was also at that time little, but this person became so happy. From day one, when he went into this job, even though they were paying him his salary and all of that, his one and only thinking was, I don't know how to say thank you to them. Because of them, we're able to eat. Our family is able to see food on the table and we're able to see a roof on our head. And every day he went to work with only one thought in his mind, I want to express thank you. And this is how he performed his work. Every uh, work that he, uh, piece of work that he did, he was in the thank you uh, and in that mode of thinking where he wasn't thinking I'm doing something where I'm giving away something. It was more like I'm expressing thank you. So um, what I was trying to say was if as youth, you are recruited in the various organizations and if every one of you want to give because you are thankful, can you imagine how much you want to give? It prepares your intelligence. You're not stuck about things that happened badly because the person never was stuck about the number of years he was unemployed or the number of jobs that turned him down. He got this job. What is he doing? Because it was like a present. And so every day expressing thank you helps that person not only grow individually in their own said careers, but they're influencing everyone with that positive spirit and if the organization grows the 
you know, the kind of contributions that they're making for the economy grows and therefore the GDP grows. That's what I was trying to say. And by the GDP growing, the per capita income increases and the nation progresses. So mind transformation among the youth is the most important. So the question came like, now that we are equipped with this knowledge, will there be people competing? No one will know this. I understand that each of us are operating from that special place after we listen to this. The knowledge and the intelligence that you develop will be very unique to you. You may be a master in your said field. You should never have to worry about what you know because it's very deep. I'll tell you this particular um, anecdotal story and we will conclude. It's a pretty humorous. So there was this uh, master who was teaching everybody uh, the sword fight. I think they call it the samurais, the big sword. And um, he was like, he taught everything to his uh, disciple and the disciple said, wow, I've learned everything. I know as much as my master. You know, there are days even I, I can do things that the same things that he does. I'm as clever as him. I'm as intelligent as him. And I know all the uh, features of the warfare, uh, you know, I, I, I'm as good as him. So I don't know why he's thinking he's my master anymore. Thank you so much, Vicky. Um, since you came in the end and I just had some free time and I thought that why not complete all of it um, just to give some meaning to some of the parts so that it ties together. And this is a special for the class. Typically, when we don't address our needs, right what happens is it is that is the reason we have all sorts of feelings but the way we do it is we try to negate the need we sometimes don't even define our need so when we blame someone we're like your actions are the reasons for my feelings no your actions did not meet my needs hence i developed these feelings when we go in that order we're not going to blame anybody right and therefore uh, when you go in that order of saying your actions do not meet my need therefore i have these feelings and you get that figured out you have two things that opens two doors one is the door of possibility and the other is the door of purpose but if we go the other way right without addressing the need straight away saying your actions are the reasons for my feelings that is when we go into the blame game and that leads to a lot of issues <laughs>